Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. The Me Too movement has given AHC Podcast a plethora of subjects over the years. Noted scumbags Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey come to mind first in terms of former courtroom contestants. But with so many people finally getting somewhat what they had coming to them, see recently convicted 70s show alum Rapey Danny Masterson, the white whale of the group finally went down in 2018. That's right, the one with the squeakiest of clean images, the lengthy career in comedy that mostly predicated itself on being the family man and wholesome homebody. But Bill Cosby finally could no longer shimmy shake his way around the law after so many accusations of sexual misconduct about him surfaced and his fall from grace was probably one of the most enigmatic things to watch play out. The stories from his accusers were abhorrent and to see the old moly version of Cliff Huxtable in the real life courtroom was a tough watch. After it was all said and done, the pudding pop predator seemingly lost it all. But was there any truth to Cosby's claims of innocence? Would you ever in a million years have imagined Cliff Huxtable to be a serial rapist? And how weird would it be to talk to Bill Cosby's drug dealer from back in the day? Throw on that Cliff Huxtable sweater and keep one hand over your glass as we dive into the ski bobbity boo bop pudding pop peel poppin' Bill Cosby episode of Asshole Court. Here I go down the slope. No, I'm going zip zop zoom the bop of the boo. All right, so we had a number of folks recommend putting Bill Cosby in the courtroom over the years. So we want to give a shout out to one of our favorite fans. His name is, or their name, I guess, is I Review Frozen Dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I review, oh, I review yeah. Frozen Dinners from Twitter. Uh, they're awesome. And then Lindsay Hansen and Jill Stapleton from Instagram and SV Last Call from Patreon. So, hell yeah. Great recommendations from all of you guys. Yeah. And a lot of super fans in there. A lot yeah, of Patreon absolutely. people. So, uh, yeah. Big thanks for all that. Absolutely. Everybody wanted to hear a lot of rape. <laughs> <laughs> As always, hit us up and get your idea on the list. A lot of these folks gave their recommendation like two years ago. So, I mean, here we are today. Yeah. So, don't think your ideas go lost. We literally have a, a tracker that we keep all Oh, the yeah. We've got on. so many ideas. Yeah. And, and some of this so is, little time. This is true. So also, as uh, we've mentioned before, we're heading out to Denver for Podcast Movement 2023. It's a big convention out there that we're going to uh, participate in and uh, looking forward to it. And as you know, um, we do this on the side. It's our side hustle. We started a GoFundMe page. Uh, So just want to make you guys aware. If you go to GoFundMe and just type in AHC Podcast, you'll find us right there. And uh, any donations, any support that you can offer up is very much appreciated. We've already got a couple hundred bucks sent to us, so... Absolutely much appreciated and love the support. Yeah, we sincerely appreciate it. A lot of you guys have been you know, with us for a long time. And, uh, you know, you don't have to pay us anything because, you know, you could just be those people that listen to it for free, like I do for a lot of shows sometimes. But like 99% of the shows I listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I pay for a number of shows. I do too. I, yeah. I used to give money to. Um, to Jerry Lewis for his uh, telethons and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, those crazy little kids, they were just interesting. Uh, no, but sincerely, we appreciate you guys. And uh, I, if also, aside from just, uh, you know, sending us money or whatever, if you're in Denver, I mean, come by. Say, hey, what's Absolutely. up? Absolutely. Yeah, let us know you in the inbox. get to see what our fucking ugly faces look like finally. That's yeah. exactly right. Come have a beer with us. We'd love it. That's it. Just go fund me and search AHC Podcast. All right, so our next segment, as we introduced last show, is going to be from the inbox. And uh, I'm going to turn over to Mikey to uh, catch us up on a couple of new reviews that we've gotten. One was uh, pretty interesting. Tell yeah, us about it, Mike. We have uh, a couple. The first one uh, is the most recent one, and that's from a, uh, a guy named Harvey Butthole, which <laughs> I, yep. I, 
That that's just a great name. I like him already. All right, Harvey Butthole, and he said that uh, we are his second favorite court, next to the basketball court. So Harvey Butthole is a baller, and that's cool for sure. I that's like right. it. Go Did check out the uh, Michael Jordan episode, <laughs> Harvey. Yes. Yeah. Imagine getting fucking dunked on by Harvey Butthole. You think Butthole's <laughs> got a fucking jersey with with his name on the back of it, putting up a triple double? It just says B Hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B Hole. Number yeah, zero. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and then we got another one from a, a real big fan. This guy's name is Hank House sixty six. H e n k h a u s. Hank House sixty six. Hank House. Hank House. Yeah, and uh, he is not too happy with me. All right, what happened? Uh, he said it's uh, it's just just too childish. Quote: The info is great. Some of it is factual. Mikey, which he misspells, by the way, M-I-K-I-E. Yeah, Mickey, he spelled yeah, it. Mickey, <laughs> which even Mickey would be A-M-I-C-K-E-Y. Yeah. He went full Mike. I'm assuming, though, that with that name and the spelling, I think that this is a German guy. I think this is the bad guy from Die Hard, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, he said, Mikey needs to curb the rude, childish comments. That's probably true. I'll give you that. Uh, but it'll of, never happen. Uh, no. no, it'll never happen. Absolutely yeah. not. Uh, he said, out of the three, his info is the most incorrect, which is interesting because only me and Randy write shows. So somehow, buddy, it's coming in. My shit's correct. That's <laughs> he's, right. Blockbuster buddy gets well. a pass right off the rip. Yeah. Hey. I love he's, it. That's my boy right that's there. Right. Yeah. That's he said, act your age and show your intelligence. First of all, that's an assumption. <laughs> you don't know how dumb I actually am. And you don't know how old I am. Yeah, it's true. That's true. He said, a joke is great, but the raw humor is the worst. And again, I'm like, have you, did you check the title of our podcast? <laughs> it's asshole court. I don't know. I think you're, it's automatic that we're working blue here. Um, and he said, I would love to rate the show five stars, but Mikey brings it to a two. Oh, <laughs> Mikey man. brings it to a two. He man, says. that's a three star hey, drop. Yeah. Hank House, man. That, man. Uh, Mikey, he is not a fan of yours. Not a fan of mine at all. Man, Hank House. Honestly, it he hurt my down feelings. the house and, like, right there. Oh, I'm not afraid to say it like, Honestly, Mikey's like the smartest guy I know. No, so that, like, well, with, that's nice of you to say. But I, Hank no, House he, obviously is. He might be, you know, winning the Fields Medal in mathematics. This is true. This is true. I, I don't and, know. And he um, said the show was somewhat factual. I kind of take. I mean, if somebody else's shit is like widely reported, it's inaccurate. Yeah. Then yeah, I might be off. But and this is an ask because if you're saying it's in, like not factual, you got to tell us which, what we're wrong on. We've said true. this multiple times. Yeah, yeah. we always, cite it. It's always generalizations. Yeah. And, that's all right. Again, we like the good, funny reviews. Yes. I uh, like that. I don't when mind they, at all. Yeah, Hank when they House. call Mikey childish and immature. And true. It brought us down three stars on a rating. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I am childish. I am immature. You know, but uh, thankfully, Randy and Buddy talked me through, you know, a pretty dark period there. And um, I thought about quitting the show. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, they well, talked me out well, of it. Well, when House. Wizard 70. Um, Wizard 70. Uh, Wizard 70 hurt me. your feelings a couple years ago. We had to recover a little bit. That's right. That. But Hank House, you almost ruined it for everybody else that actually likes the show because we almost quit because of that one review. Fucking Hank House. <laughs> All right. All awesome. Right. All right. Let's get some pre-show scores for the man in the courtroom, Bill Cosby Mikey. What is your initial thoughts on Bill Cosby? I was a huge Cosby fan growing up. It was like must, must watch television when I was a kid. Like our family all gathered around and watched it. My dad was a real big fan of him. He liked him from before he had the Cosby show. He had like all the stand-up albums he did and stuff like that. Uh, he seemed like a very nice guy. He seemed like literally the uh, pinnacle of uh, just a good, wholesome dude. And God damn, were we wrong. Yep. I know. Gosh, yeah. the sheep uh, in the wolf's clothing. Yeah. Or wolf I, in sheep's clothing. Yeah, I've, I've been very hesitant on this show because it's about 11 pounds of... Uh, <laughs> Rape packed into a ten-pound package. <laughs> it's uh, it's just nonstop rape the whole time. I don't know how amusing this is going to be, but we're going to do our best. I tell you what, I did. You'll see, and I'm okay. I won't you know bury the lead too much. I wait until when the rape came to public. Oh, okay, instead of when it happened, which was like, that's right. when he basically was twelve. That's right. And yeah, <laughs> until on. he was eighty-two. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that seventy-year span, I just kind of can. Dense. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. We we definitely dive into it, but yeah. well, it has to be talked about. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, you know, it's it's it was a real shame considering how big of a fan I was as a kid. But yeah, I mean, so the preliminary score would be before I knew about the rape, and I would have scored him at like a two. We got to do it before the show, right? Like just yeah. like today. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Like where we would have been where when we started the research. Oh, yes. With yeah. everything that we yeah. know. Well, in that case, then he's a solid, uh, solid uh, 8.99. Ooh, 8.99. Yeah. Serial rapist. Yeah. yeah. 8.99 right off the rip for Mikey. Mm-hmm. Hard in the paint. Buddy, what are your initial thoughts on Bill Cosby? All right, so for Bill, uh, this one hurts, um, but this is one that I've wanted to do for a long time because I'm, he's just iconic. I grew up on his stand-up, you know, like some of the... Uh, he's an incredible storyteller, and just the way that he is able to animate his body and his face in ways to keep on going with his comedy is just hilarious. I still think about the, you know, Dad is great, feeds us chocolate cake. You know, the whole, like, I, some of his comedy stuff is just, I mean, iconic. Then you get into his, like, Cosby show, him being, like, you know, like, America's dad. You know, where, like, you were like, eh, man, this guy is awesome. Like, he, yeah. he, there's a lot of tough stuff that he's dealing with, but he's doing it in a way where we're understanding it and, like, learning from it. And uh, you would just hope that your parents had the same amount of patience with you. But still no, jokes. Won't. And you wouldn't react the same way the kids react. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, my dad's not a doctor. You know how different <laughs> my life would be right now if my dad was a doctor? But, I hope he's not a rapist. I mean, I, you know, you just don't know. <laughs> you know, one of them's not true, at least. <laughs> I know he's not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. I can say that because my dad doesn't listen to the show. What if Hank House is my dad? (laughs) Hank House 66 is my dad. Is your dad. (laughs) But yeah, and then you get into the later part of his life. You know, I didn't really follow a lot of the stuff that came up when the allegations came out. But I mean, it was just like one after the other after the other. And uh, I just tried to stay away from the news story as much as possible. I I just didn't even really want to deal with it at the time. So, I mean, like, there's enough there that you're like, damn, this guy is a monster. But, uh, you know, I'm... Interested to do the show tonight to find out how much of a monster he really is. Uh, so for me, pre-show, you know, I've kind of got him in between, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and Jared Fogle. So I'm going to be putting him in at uh, 8.75 pre-show. Okay. And uh, we'll see where he ends up by the end. Awesome. Did you guys watch that documentary on Jared Fogle? Uh-uh. Oh, I haven't seen it I, yet. I, I on Hulu? I watch it, but I heard, I heard they have some audio tape of him that's just like, so much worse than oh, what we have known. Oh, really? Yeah, no. yeah. yeah. Anyways, check out that uh, that episode on AHC Podcast, the Jared Fogel. That one is episode. actually uh, very funny, even though it was, yeah. Uh, he was the porn slanger in college. <laughs> That's right. He yeah, he, he was. was. The, the porn distributor. That one worked dorm. out very well. That yeah. was a good show. All right, Randy, why don't you go ahead and wrap us up on Bill Cosby? I mean, this one hurt, honestly, because I loved Cosby Show growing up. We would watch Cosby Show. I had a. Have, still have a sister. She's three years older, and um, she kind of dictated what we watched on TV because that's how life works. And uh, we would watch Cosby Show, and then A Different World came on after oh, yeah. it, right? And then other nights was Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and then Blossom would come on. Like, oh hell I yeah! Remember like exactly kind of the order of the TV shows in which they came on. Sure, uh, but that's how often we watched them. You yeah. know what I mean? So the Cosby Show was like a staple in our house. Sure, um, I thought Theo was cool as shit. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, man. Cool. I always thought Theo was really cool. Um, but when all of this shit kind of went down, it's it it's like you almost at first you kind of don't want to believe it just because you like the person. Right. Like, okay. Then, yeah. And then you get 50, 50 different women coming out and all saying the same thing. Like, yeah. Yep. Here's what happened. And and knowing what we know, hell, we've done this show for three years now. How many times have we told the story where somebody does shit like this? And it is kind of the same thing that they do over yeah, and over. Yeah, it's MO. They know how to do it, right? Yep. It's almost like they do it once and like, okay, this that works. And I'll We're just fine-tune it. Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. So, yeah. man, just fucked up. And, you know, again, everybody knows he used Quaaludes to... Uh, how is he even? Well, we'll get into this. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, sure. how are you scoring quaaludes? Because that's one drug I've never got to never, try, that's and exactly I'm so right. mad about that. Yeah, exactly they ran right. out in the '80s or something. Yeah, so he must have been like. Them. And if any of our listeners, you don't even have to join Patreon if you can send us some quaaludes. <laughs> I'm 100 percent down to try these out. He's like, must have been stockpiling them since like you know, like the '70s or something I, like that. We're gonna you have know? to figure that out. But yeah, I think he was able to get different sedatives, but he used yeah. quaaludes for a lot of a this lot. apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, so again, yeah, this one hurt. You know, in terms of score, I got him right around the Harvey Weinstein level. Um, so pre-show, I've got him eight point three three coming okay. into it. All right, with an eight point nine nine from Mikey, an eight point seven five from Buddy, and an eight point three three from Randy, Bill Cosby's pre-show asshole score 
is an 8.69. 8.69 right above the year 2020, which was an 8.67. And just below L. Ron Hubbard, the uh, founder of Scientology, an 8.83. Oh, wow. So uh, pre-show Bill Cosby is between Scientology and the year 2020. Yeah, racking up there in craziness. That's so. exactly. Sounds like a like a science fiction movie. Scientology of the year 2020 That's starring right. Bill Cosby. Starring Bill Cosby. <laughs> I watched Ghost Dad. I remember that shit. You guys ready to do this thing? Ooh. Sounds a bit like a sexual innuendo. Only uh, with permission. Yeah. <laughs> William Henry Cosby Jr. was born on July 12, 1937, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to Mother Anna, who worked as a maid, and William Henry Cosby Sr., who served as a mess steward in the U.S. Navy. So a mess steward is what, Mikey? They make the food. That's right, that's right. So Cosby is the oldest of four brothers, and in the early years of his life, he grew up in the city's Germantown neighborhood, which is in West Philadelphia. Just kidding, it's actually just north of the city center. Okay, Bill Cosby the German. In Germantown. Got <laughs> With Hank House. That's right. There you go. Yeah, Hank House and Bill Cosby in Germantown. <laughs> Both hating on Mikey. Hate, hate, hate. As Bill's father was often away feeding semen, Cosby was forced to be a father figure to his siblings. That didn't sound right. What do you mean? Yeah. He was feeding the semen. <laughs> when, when Bill was eight years old, the Cosby family suffered a terrible loss when Bill's younger brother, James, passed away after complications from rheumatic fever. Ooh, yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, the it? kid was six years old when uh, some shit. Yeah, when he died from rheumatic fever. So what are we talking, like the 20s or something like that? So Cosby was eight, or uh, mid-40s. Mid-40s? Yep. Wow, still dying from stuff like that in the 40s? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. With dad away most of the time and mom cleaning houses, there was a very tight budget in the Cosby household. Young Bill began shining shoes to help out, and during his middle school years, he worked at a grocery store. His mother was a major influence and his first audience member. It didn't take him long to begin making up gags and practicing routines on her, as she always encouraged his inventive performances of everyday household happenings. He attended elementary school with his friends, Fat Albert, Old Weird Harold, Dumb Donald, Weasel, and many of the other memorable characters later immortalized in his comedy routines. Really? So all those guys that he named were... were they people. were real people? Yep, that he went to uh, elementary school with. I bet oh, they were wow. real proud of that when it happened, and then lately they're kind of like, yeah, I don't even know that guy. Yeah, especially Dumb Donald. Dumb I don't know. Donald. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, yeah, you, you guys remember I'm Dumb Donald? Yeah. <laughs> I do remember Donald. <laughs> I think I'll pass on your resume this time around. <laughs> Hey, man, if they're getting royalties, I'll be dumb Donald. You know? <laughs> yeah, this That's is true. true. Yeah, what about Mushmouth, though? Man, M- yeah. Mushmouth. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Good one, buddy. He attended a couple different high schools, but wound up at the Mary Channing Worcester High School in Philadelphia, where he was named class president and captain of both the basketball and track teams. Teachers noted his propensity for joking around instead of studying, and he described himself as the class clown. When he was 19 years old and still a junior in high school, he oh. dropped out. Oh, Wait, Randy, he was 19 in the 11th grade? Yep. Oh. But just after he dropped out in 1956, Cosby enlisted in the United States Navy. Sailor Billy trained as a hospital corpsman and served aboard ships at the Marine Base in Quantico, Virginia, shortly before being sent to Bethesda Naval Hospital in Maryland. There he was assigned to work with Korean War casualties and veterans. He did get his high school diploma while in the Navy, and he was honorably discharged after four years of service in 1960. Okay. So he finished, but he was 19, dropped out of school, got in the Navy, and then finished that way. Then so finished, he yeah. failed numerous grades to yeah, be absolutely. a junior at 19. Yeah, and, and he, I read an interview with him where he kind of said, you know, I got into high school and I did well like with sports, but I didn't give a shit about my grades, and I just kept having to repeat and kind of... I was behind. I was way behind. Yeah, we knew those guys that were the you know really good in sports, weren't that great at the books, but also were really funny and yeah. could keep people entertained and stuff. So, looking at Mikey. Oh no, no. I'm just kidding. No. I'm kidding. I wasn't good at sports. <laughs> 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 Not in high school, at least. I was a horrible wrestler. I got destroyed all the time. But uh, also, I guess they didn't have any academic uh, like pers- requirements like, pre- to stay. Nah, it didn't sound like, like yeah, it's a class president. He's dumb as fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's funny. Yeah, he's also thirty six. <laughs> <laughs> he buys us all the beer for our parties. Yeah, he's great. He's That's awesome. why he's the president. Yeah. He's always he's the, the w- first one to run when the cops show up. <laughs> when I am uh, the president, 
<laughs> I will buy everyone beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking for your vote today so you all can have beer. <laughs> I thought you could only run two terms. I don't even know how to count that high. <laughs> After getting them papers and getting the hell out of Dodge, Bill worked his way back to Philly where he enrolled at Temple University. At Temple, he studied physical education while he ran track and played fullback on the college's football team. So he knew. He knew he wasn't smart. He right. was like straight up physical education. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he wanted to be a teacher and he wanted his kind of goal was to turn around the kids that were like being led astray and needed uh, a like guiding him. voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of like him. That's right. Cosby began bartending at a Philadelphia club where he has fond memories of figuring out his comedy style and where he landed his first gig. Yeah, and figuring out how to put stuff into drinks, unfortunately. Oh. That's where he uh, got in, got his training in. Yeah, That was like his, yeah. um, got his internship. Master's. Yeah. There was an internship. PhD in it was early it. on. He said, I got a job as a bartender. As a bartender, you talk to customers, and customers in the bar generally have some kind of joke, a dirty joke or something, and I began to collect these things. I started to let the jokes go and tell some of the things I had written. Then one day, I was sitting in a Chinese restaurant, getting ready to go into work, and I heard my style, my performance style. I still don't know that I want to go into show business, but this man was sitting at a table with about nine people, and he's just talking and talking and talking, and they are just hysterically laughing away. They're laughing because everyone knows what he's talking about, and he's their friend. I thought, that's it. That's my style, to be the friend. Then this English couple told me how they had spoken to these fellows who owned a wonderful coffee house in Greenwich Village. It's called the Gaslight. And I drove up and they said, okay, there's your audience. There were about seven people in a room that holds about 170. I went up and did about 15 minutes of stuff I had written. I came off and the guy said, well, you're really raw, but we'll pay you 60 bucks a week. So I took the job and that was it. That was his first uh, comedy gig was the Gaslight in the Greenwich Village. The Gaslight's super famous. Yep. Oh, really? Yep. You play there all the time. You had that and then uh, Cafe something or other where like Bob Dylan and them got started. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. yeah. And then Scores. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> Scores. That's, uh. So word of Cosby's talent and humor spread around New York. And within a year, he had landed a guest spot on The Tonight Show. With the exposure he was getting on TV, he quickly caught the eye of TV executives as well. In 1965, Cosby made the transition from stand-up comedian to actor with the series I Spy and changed the face of television. Coinciding with the crest of the civil rights movements, the series' light touch was balm for the jangled American psyche of the times, said the New York Times. I Spy became the first weekly dramatic television series to feature a black person in a starring role. At first, Cosby and NBC executives were concerned that some affiliates may be unwilling to carry the series. That's fucking wild, man. Check this yeah. out. At the beginning of the 1965 season, four stations declined the show. They were in... Oh, let me guess. Go for it. Birmingham? That's one state. There were three states. Oh, three states. Okay, Alabama, yep. Mississippi. Mississippi. Nope. Ooh. What? Alabama's, Alabama's one. Tennessee. Nope. Georgia. Yep. South Carolina? Nope. 65. Texas? Before it, before what we think of it is now. Oh. Uh, Florida. Florida. Really? Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. Oh, okay. Three yeah, states that border figure. one another. Yep. Cosby wasn't allowed. Okay. They didn't play them at first. So viewers were taken with the show's exotic locales and with the authentic chemistry between the stars. It became one of the rating hits of the season. I Spy finished among the 20 most watched shows that year, and Cosby was honored with three consecutive Emmy Awards for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. In your face, Deep South! That's right. When accepting his third Emmy for the show, Cosby told the audience, let the message be known to bigots and racists that they don't count. Right on, man. Yeah. Yep. So he did. He. I know I was reading a story when he was in college and running track. Um, it was still segregated. Sure. He had to eat in different places than the rest of his team, sleep yep. in different stuff, so... Yeah, still a real fucked up time. and It's wild. They'd yeah. be like, I mean, imagine the boardroom meeting. They're like, oh, this guy's really good. He's funny. Uh, they're like, well, what's the problem? He's, He's black. black. Uh, well, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a real problem with our Southern demographic. Yeah. Quit bringing this crap to me, Jim. <laughs> All right. Throughout the 1960s, Cosby pursued a variety of additional television and movie projects and worked his way to a regular guest spot on The Tonight Show and was the star of an annual special for NBC. You know, before doing the show, I knew Bill Cosby had been around a long time, but I did not realize how big of a star he had become before the Cosby show. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize I Spy was like that popular of a show and that he had won all those Emmys and was in yeah. all these movies. He and was like hanging out with Johnny Carson. Yeah. 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 No, and there's actually, if you look at a lot of like the older comedy, 
there's like parts that like, you know, they'll go through like, you know, 10 different people. And it's like Johnny Carson, Richard Pryor and all of them when they were really young, still in black and white. And, you know, Bill Cosby right yeah. there, you know. Yep. In 1969, he returned with another series, The Bill Cosby Show, a situation comedy that ran for two seasons. Cosby played a physical education teacher at a L.A. high school. While only a modest critical success, the show was a ratings hit, finishing 11th in its first season. Cosby was lauded for using African-American performers such as Lillian Randolph, Moms Mabley, and Rex Ingram as characters. According to commentary on the season one DVD for the show, Cosby was at odds with NBC over his refusal to include a laugh track in the show, as he felt viewers had the ability to find humor for themselves when watching a TV show. Mm. So, raise the question. It, it's been brought up in our house. My wife fucking hates laugh tracks. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I hate them. laugh tracks. But do you guys have shows that you love that use the laugh track? No. I have two that I my like two of my absolute diehard loves that both of them have laugh tracks. The S- Seinfeld doesn't have a laugh track, does it? It does. Oh really? no, really? Yeah. Uh, I wow. No, I can't think of any ones that I love with the laugh. Cheers has a laugh track, but it it always King, felt like- King of Queens is my other. Yeah, one. Oh, I was gonna yeah. say that might have been. I yeah. love King of Queens, but no. I mean, so many of them did use the laugh tracks. Now, what I do like is seeing stuff like um. Friends episodes with the laugh Without track it. taken out. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the timing like, is they have to you are entirely reliant on that laugh track for the joke to hit and tell everybody, oh, this is the funny part. Right. But uh, uh, otherwise, it just turns Ross into like a big pedophile, pretty much. <laughs> like, he is, anyways. <laughs> yeah. But I, mean, I always remember as a kid, all those shows were like that. But they always said like, "Cheers" is filmed before a live, live studio, studio audience. audience. So I always assumed like, oh, okay, so they're laughing. But what are they like? I guess edited in on top of that well, as well. I don't know, but I remember going to a taping of the uh, the late late show with Craig Kilborn, and they definitely force you to applause and clap. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you get they're like hyping you up, they're like throwing Snickers bars at you, like just get jacked up. I mean, they're like <laughs> one step short of just tooting coke up your nose with a key <laughs> when they walk by. And then yeah, but it's, I feel like that's sort of the same thing. But I yeah, as far as like building in the laugh tracks the other thing that's pretty creepy about them is a lot of those recordings were recorded from the 50s and so a lot of those laughs are from dead people oh <laughs> and that's what somebody yeah. pointed out all those laughs you hear from the shows in the 70s or 80s are from recordings a- from people that are totes dead yeah. <laughs> that's all right i mean yeah. you watch a lot of movies with dead people in it that's true yeah. but not hearing creepy ass laughing this whole room of creepy ass laughing ah 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 this episode was filmed with laugh tracks from people that are still living. That's right. <laughs> so far. Hands up. Give me all your money. Well, enough money for a cheeseburger from the value menu, at least. We are now live on Patreon. Find us there at AHC Podcast to get all the latest episodes of Conspiracy Court, ad-free shows, shout-outs, stickers, and a whole lot more. It would be a crime if you didn't. Big thanks to all of our fans, and we appreciate all of your support. Now, let's dive back into the action. Cosby resumed his formal education in 1971 and he began graduate work at UMass Amherst. The following year, he got another break and was back in primetime with a variety series, The New Bill Cosby Show. But during this time, there was a much more successful show that Cosby was working on on the side. It was a Saturday morning cartoon, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, hosted by Cosby and based on his own childhood. That series ran from 1972 to 1979, then ran as The New Fat Albert Show in 1979, and finally as The Adventures of Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Cosby would use his experience producing Fat Albert in his educational endeavors. His dissertation for his doctorate in education at UMass Amherst discussed the use of Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids as a teaching tool in elementary schools. What did you learn from Fat Albert? I don't really remember it that much. I just remember the hey, hey, hey. And I remember Mushmouth and... Yeah. I don't remember a whole bunch yeah, about it. It's because we were all born after the show, like it was yeah. can- like canceled. Yeah, That's, like yeah, I, I'm kind of one of the few things we can say. Yeah, I'm not old enough to know about that yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember letter people, but I don't remember Fat Come Albert. And meet the letter people. <laughs> That's right. With Bill already one of the most popular black comedians and actors of his time, the post segregated U.S. was ready to not be quite as racist and ad executives began to use a few black people in advertisements, and Cosby was their favorite pick. He started with White Owl Cigars, eh, and wound up doing ads for Del Monte, Ford Motor Company, Coca-Cola, American Red Cross, Texas Instruments, E.F. Hutton, Kodak, and the 1990 U.S. Census. 
<laughs> Wait. <laughs> yep. No, no, no. White owl. That's why <laughs> I made. That's why I made that that noise. Like, yeah. of course. Uh huh. Like <laughs> the most popular of the blunt raps. I was pre, about to say pre yeah. blunt rap time, right? Yes, it was. Yes, so you yes, just yes, had yes. to. So kids out there, there was a time when they didn't just sell blunt raps. Blunt raps. In fact, I remember when blunt raps first came out. We were like, oh, the game's changed. Oh my god, you used to have to buy cigars, yeah. namely white owls, because they were nice and soft. Yeah, those ones, the Phillies, Optimos were good. Optimos, oh, yeah. Optimos yeah. were really good. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and it's Philly. Like, Philly. I'm Bill Coffee here for the Dutch Masters. <laughs> <laughs> Backwoods. But they had like they have like grape flavored. Yeah, like that? absolutely. Wow. Cognac flavored, all kinds yeah, of shit. Yeah, I'm good on that. Cognac flavored, yeah. I'm good. You got mouthwash flavored? <laughs> yeah. You guys remember these? Oh yeah. The wet the mango, wet mango blunt wraps. They were around a little straw, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They were like the first of their kind. Yep. That's right. And yeah, I saw they a had post. To make it look like she was sucking a dick on that one. Yeah, I was just basically saying that, like, our elders, this is what our elders used <laughs> yep. or something like that. That's right. Yeah, the mango, wet mango blunt wraps. We smoked weed Royal out of Coke cans. I don't know what y'all <laughs> yeah, are talking apples, about. Apples, yeah. yeah. In 2011, Cosby won the President's Award for contributions to advertising from the Advertising Hall of Fame. But his biggest prize in the product that Cosby had always dreamed of selling was Jell-O. Growing up, he had watched the greatest comedians of their eras become spokesmen for the brand. Jack Benny in the 40s, Lucille Ball in the 50s, and Andy Griffith and Jim Neighbors in the 60s. Those are the acts that I want to follow, he told Norman Brokaw, his longtime agent. Sales had slumped as women entered the workforce and no longer had the time to make the time-consuming original recipes. Now, Jell-O's ad agency was plotting a new strategy, appeal to mothers through their children, and realized that Cosby could be just the celebrity to do that, given his popularity with young fans of Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids and the Electric Company. In 1974, it began rolling out its first campaigns of what would become dozens of Bill Cosby with Kids, in which Jell-O made children giggle with delight at the thought of Jell-O treats while announcers lectured their parents. If you have kids, you have to have pudding. As of 2002, Cosby held the record for being the longest-serving celebrity spokesperson for a product through his work with Jell-O. I hate Jell-O. I fucking hate it. I don't mind it. I like Jell-O. Yeah, I can get down with some Jell-O. Especially when I'm sick. Yeah, and like... And this sounds, it is what it is. If I want some Jello, I want like a big fucking bowl of it. I don't want like, um, like a, a little, little cup snack size. Like no, yeah, no, I need about three or four of those. I never want Jello. There's never a moment where I'm like, you know, what'd be good right now. What about pudding? Shit. Pudding's fine. But it's never Jello. I'd rather have a cookie. What about, what about like a Jello fruit salad? I don't know. Oh. What's the one with the marshmallows and stuff in it? Ambrosia salad? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I'm I not so much on the that. Coconut. Yeah. If but, it's uh, there, coconut. it's like fine, but I'm never like, mm, you know what sounds good right now? Jello. I'm not a Mormon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just saying if it's there, it's got some pears and some orange jello or something. Yeah, me and Randy are in. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you know, when you guys go to the hospital, I'll make sure you guys get plenty of jello because yeah. you got it there. <laughs> and, 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 you know. Canned pears. Mm, like like for yeah. kindergartners. Yeah. Good old grid apples. That's exactly right. As Cosby's renown as a pitchman grew, so did his reputation for clashing with the people who made advertising. As always, he preferred to ad-lib rather than to recite ad copy word for word. Cosby was notoriously demanding about the kids in the Jell-O commercials. He thought they should reflect an array of races and ethnicities, and he would protest if he didn't get the rainbow he wanted. Coca-Cola recruited Cosby with a huge ad campaign called Have a Coke and a Smile. He and Bob Hope were hired to record tags at the end of new Coke commercials. Hope delivered his as written, while Cosby improvised and came up with something much better. I saw you, Cosby said, with his face capturing a playful conspiracy. I saw you. you smiling. When Black Enterprise... <laughs> do you guys remember that? No, I don't. I vaguely remember that, but... Yeah. Watching Randy... <laughs> watching Randy reenact was, was just... Yeah. That was, that was Pudding Pop fantastic. Pudding Pop Predator fantastic. <laughs> I saw you. You're smiling. When Black Enterprise <laughs> Magazine <laughs> When Black Enterprise Magazine published the cover story on African American pitchmen in nineteen eighty one, writer Stephen Gale reported that the deals earned Cosby more than three million a year. Mm. As Anthony Tortorici, Coke's chief of public relations, put it, the three most believable personalities are God, Walter Cronkite, and Bill Cosby. Damn. And if you're younger than oh say fifty years old, you may not have heard of Walter Cronkite. He was a super famous radio broadcaster back in the day. 
And if you're younger than, oh, say, 30 years old, then you may not have ever heard of God. This is the thing that people <laughs> pray to in order to find answers. Nice. <laughs> Cosby began in his 40s with the kind of financial security that had slipped through his fingers in his early 30s. After buying more than 200 acres surrounding his Massachusetts farm, he had purchased a brownstone in Manhattan and a home in Los Angeles's Pacific Palisades that he referred to as the house that Jello built. Ah. Yep. Yeah, because, I mean, like, if he's pulling $3 million a year back in uh, the 70s I did, just on Jello money. Yeah, like, I do a, a monetary comparison here in a little bit. Okay. Puts it into perspective how much he was raking yeah, in. He was balling. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I see you. I see you. You're smiling. I'm rich as shit. But put your hand over your drink, girl. But he was also coming to grips with the frustrations of being a middle-aged man and a father. In a comic essay for Ebony, Cosby even talked about how aging had affected his roving eye for women. One of the most important things when you turn 40 is that you weigh things thusly, he wrote. You look at the enjoyment you may get from a given activity, and then you look at the amount of work that may have to go into it. For example... Sex with a young, beautiful woman who has plenty of energy. In a picture that accompanied the story, Cosby stood on a diving board, smoking a cigar, looking over his shoulder wistfully at a bikini-clad, mocha-skinned beauty. One of those things you want, but you're glad you can't have, the caption read. Cosby didn't tell Ebony readers about another step that he had taken to prove that he was serious about cutting back on his womanizing. He took one longtime girlfriend that he wanted to put an end to the relationship and then he invited the woman and her mother, who had always disapproved of her daughter being involved with a married man, out to dinner. I'm very happy to be here, the mother told Cosby, because I always thought you had way more sense than this. So okay, he took so one of his girlfriends and her mom out to dinner to break up with her, knowing they all they knew who he was. And knowing that he was, and he's married at this time, correct? For sure, yep. Yeah, and like probably has children too yeah. at this point. Yep. So he took his girlfriend out to dinner with her mom to break up with her? Yep. Yep. I th- I mean, there was a point where that idea came fully formed into his mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was like, I got to dump this bitch. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do I'm this one tiny mo- thing right. I'm going to embarrass right. her in front of her own mother. <laughs> because, a really I mean, nice restaurant. <laughs> I mean, she's we're going to Sizzler. <laughs> she ain't getting none of that. I mean, that's for real. That, that The wife's getting longhorns. <laughs> She's getting Sizzler. I don't care if she wants a blooming onion. I fucking want Sizzler. Sizzler's going <laughs> down. God, what a strange story. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, that's that's borderline psychotic, dude. And where are we at right now? Nineteen eighty one ish, eighty two. Yeah, so okay, yeah, early eighties. Okay, but somebody f- was sitting right next to him. That waiter was yeah. there. Oh and yeah, they had to been it's there. Like Bill Cosby is here with some woman breaking up with her and her yeah. mom. Like what? The this fuck? is so weird. The, yeah, the, the lady's upset, but the older lady is cool with it. Could you imagine? Like nowadays, they'd be. Fucking videotaping that. Oh, 100%. Oh, dude, everybody be videotaping that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, by the fall of 1983, he had found a new project in trying to help Sammy Davis Jr. make a comeback. Ever since they had met in the early 60s, Cosby had a soft spot for Sammy. In the 70s, Cosby had watched Sammy's hard living take its toll. His manager had dumped him. He was all but broke. In the 80s, Cosby suggested that they develop a show together. They tried it out at Harrah's, then at Caesar's Palace, and found that they enjoyed each other's company and had on-stage chemistry. But Sammy was struggling to hit notes and stop trying to dance. Yeah. After an early show one day, Cosby appeared in Davis's dressing room. He pointed at his friend's distended belly and said, What the fuck is wrong with you? Davis took a sip of the vodka and coke on his dresser and fingered his paunch. Age, baby. I'm not fighting it. Grow old gracefully, they say. Cosby had secured a two-week run on Broadway, yet even after weeks of promotion, the show was a bust. Every day that Cosby looked at the empty seats at the Gershwin Theater, he grew more and more upset about his inability to deliver for Sammy, about his friend's sorry condition, but also about the thought about the years slipping away from him. Cosby's agent, Brokaw, was used to getting middle-of-the-night calls, and he could tell that Cosby was in a particularly somber and reflective state. The night he called from New York, in the middle of the run with Sammy Davis Jr., and he said, I think I'm ready to try another TV show. Huh. Well, thanks, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. Yeah, he without him, we wouldn't have the Cosby Show. That's exactly Interesting right. Interesting story. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. got into Satanism pretty hard. Whoa, <laughs> That's really? Real. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it's actually hilarious. Holy oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. I might put that down as a show suggestion then. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. This Sammy. show suggestion from Randy. I thought it was cool, man. <laughs> Randy Cheevers at Instagram. Beyond. <laughs> Shout out to what, the devil. What, what, Marcy Carsey and Tom Warner were desperate. The two young programming executives had quit their jobs to form an independent production company. 
They were working in a one-room office above a shoe store and had taken out second mortgages on their homes to keep the company afloat. The two programmers had made their names at ABC in the late 70s, developing the comedies Taxi and Soap. Again, for our younger listeners, these were popular shows in the 70s. Taxi had Danny DeVito, the short guy from the Jersey Mike's commercials, and Tony Danza from Elton John's famous line, Hold Me Closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> and, Soap had fama- and Soap had famous comedian Billy Crystal and Scott Bayo's cousin, Jimmy Bayo. Really? Swear to God. Yep, Jimmy, Jimmy Bayo. Yeah, I had never heard of that guy until Bummer. I looked into it a little bit. So do you know that Friends did a play on that with Phoebe being like, I love that song. What They were like saying, what's your favorite song by Elton John? Okay. She was oh, like, yeah, yeah. hold me closer, Tony Danza. Mm-hmm. And they actually like full circle like 10 years later or something like that. They It was like Courtney Cox and Elton John and Jennifer Aniston all got together and they actually sang that. Oh, wow. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> and Phoebe then like reviewed it too. and was like, eh, it's all right. Y'all messed up the words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. But it was now 1984, and the conventional wisdom in Hollywood was that sitcoms were dead. The origin for one of the most famous sitcoms in American history went something like this. Well, there's Bill Cosby, suggested Larry Auerbach, the head of the TV department at marketing agency William Morris. Norman says he may be ready to do another TV show, but he wants a lot of money. When Auerbach told him how much, the producers swallowed hard. They would have to pay Cosby more than a million per season if the show succeeded. The producers had always said they were betting on themselves, but when they went independent, that kind of money would mean betting the company. Carsey and Warner went to Las Vegas to see Cosby perform and were reminded of everything they loved about him. But they also saw something new, and to them, even more exciting. As young parents, Carsey with two young children, Warner with three, they thought Cosby's new material on parenthood was extremely funny and remarkably true to life. What's missing on TV was a question they often asked themselves. When it came to sitcoms in the early 80s, what was missing was the old father-knows-best sense that parents were in charge. From Silver Spoons to Webster, the family comedies of the day revolved around improperly precocious children manipulating hapless adults. Shortly after, Carsey and Warner were invited to dinner at Cosby's home at Pacific Palisades. Carsey made the argument for a show based on the strong point of view reflected in Cosby's comedy routines about the loving war between parents and their children. Flattered by the respect for his stand-up material, Cosby warmed up to the idea. Cosby thought it'd be funny for the character to drive a limousine. It would also (laughs) allow him to tell stories about all the people and situations he encountered on the job and give him a flexible schedule so he could be at home during the time to interact with his children. Cosby proposed that the wife would be a plumber or a carpenter, and she would be Latino and speak Spanish so that when they had an argument, her husband wouldn't be able to understand what she was saying. That's Mad Libs. <laughs> so that was Bill Cosby's idea for the Cosby Show. Oh, that wow. would have failed badly. Yeah, he would have driven wow. a limo. So, uh, get this, right? <laughs> I'm driving, driving this honky today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he said that. <laughs> that would have been a Richard Pryor. That would have been the Richard Pryor show. But, yeah, they're like, oh, so, well, we like you, but the limousine idea and the, the Hispanic wife plumber that doesn't speak English at all, it's just not going to work. Adios mio. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, like, yeah, he wanted, he was a, a PE teacher one time, yep. limo driver, and he's also, <laughs> I like how he's trying to keep it real to life. He's like, because I got to be home a lot for this show <laughs> to work. For my kids, yeah. yeah. So, Carsey heard two voices inside her head. Do whatever he wants. He's Bill Cosby, for God's sake. You need him, and you need this show. But another was saying, he's Bill Cosby. Even if he throws you out of your, even if he throws you out of his house, you need to tell him what you really think. The producers felt strongly that both parents on the show should be college graduates. As Cosby had proved in the stand-up act, the war of wits between parents and children was even funnier if the parents thought of themselves as highly intelligent people. Finally, shortly before one in the morning, Cosby said the words that made Carsey think she might be getting somewhere. You know, I think my wife would agree with you, he said. The Cosby Show debuted in September of 1984, featuring a lot of parallels to Cosby's real life. Like the characters Cliff and Claire Huxtable, Cosby and his wife Camille were college-educated and financially successful, and they had five children. On the show, Cosby played the role of an obstetrician. Much of the material from the pilot and the first season of The Cosby Show was taken from the video Bill Cosby himself released in 1983. The series was an immediate success, debuting near the top of the ratings and stayed there for most of its eight-season run. The sitcom was watched by about 30 million viewers each week. By 1989, its star was earning more than $4 million a month in syndication rights alone. That's equal to about $10 million a month in 2023 dollars. Damn. Jesus. That's yep. $120 million a, a year. year. Yep. Just on that. 
right? Yeah. So he was catching $48 million a year in 1989. And he got Jello money, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Plus that guy. Jello money got way better once he got that Cosby money. Yeah. Man, no, I no mean, doubt. this is like some Michael Jordan money, mm-hmm. like, he was basically. paid, man. When the show was canceled in 1992, Mr. Cosby embarked on a number of projects, including film roles, but was never really able to emulate the success of his star vehicle. In 2013, he received rave reviews for his first TV stand-up show in 30 years, which led to a national tour. But his comeback, and pretty much the rest of his life, fell apart as several women came forward with allegations of sexual assault going back almost 30 years. The accusations first surfaced in 2005, when Andrea Constand, a staff member at Cosby's former university, said she had been drugged and molested by the star at his home a year earlier. Prosecutors declined to press charges, citing lack of evidence, but Ms. Constand filed a civil case against the comedian. Thirteen women, twelve of whom remained anonymous, agreed to be witnesses, each with a similar account of sexual assault. Cosby denied the accusations, which his lawyer called preposterous, and the case was settled out of court in 2006 for an undisclosed sum. In subsequent years, some of Ms. Constand's fellow witnesses told their stories to the media, but the accusations were not comprehensively reported until Cosby's planned TV comeback thrust him into the limelight, and with the help of a stand-up comic. On October 16, 2014, as part of a comedy routine in Philadelphia, Hannibal Burris addressed Cosby's legacy of talking down to young black men about their mode of dress and lifestyle. Burris criticized the actor's public moralizing by saying, Yeah, but you rate women, Bill Cosby, so that kind of brings you down a couple notches. <laughs> Good on you, Hannibal. Yeah, that actually is what opened up the floodgates. Yeah. Dude, I love Hannibal Burris, too. Mm-hmm. Dude, he is hilarious. The audience appeared to respond to Burris's accusation as an incredulous joke, but then he encouraged everyone to search Bill Cosby rape on Google when they got home. Burris had been using the same Cosby routine for the previous six months with little response, but word of the October performance spread rapidly after being posted on Philadelphia Magazine's website. Media coverage intensified with numerous publications tackling the question of how Cosby had managed to maintain, as Burris called it in his routine, a Teflon image despite more than a decade of public sexual abuse accusations. Shortly afterward, USA Today reported that Cosby or his representative posted a request for Twitter followers to go ahead, meme me. That's right. The tweet was deleted after a large number of submitted memes made reference to the accusations against Cosby. (laughs) I remember that. Don't dare the internet to do anything, (laughs) ever. ever. They were, because the Cosby show was about to go on Netflix. And so they oh, were, wow. yeah. So that was going to be like one of the marketing things. Is like, oh, hey, it's cool. These kids these days love memes, and what they didn't realize was that the Hannibal Burris sketch had hit everybody like our age and younger. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then so they're like, yeah, go ahead and meme me. And so they just lit his ass up with rape jokes. And they're like, never mind, never mind, never mind. Yeah. Stop, they stop, shut stop. It down. Pull this. We got a backup punt. Backup punt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. More than fifty women accused the star of sexual assault or rape. But due to time limits on cases, only one, Andrea Constand, took the case to criminal court. So we had 50 accusers. Mm-hmm. But 49 statute of limitations Pretty or some much. shit? Yeah. That's how it works. Jesus. Mr. Cosby's lawyers consistently denied the charging, asking why the women had not made legal complaints at the time when they said they were assaulted. In 2014, Mr. Cosby said he had not addressed the allegations in public because a guy doesn't have to answer to innuendos. But shortly afterwards, publicly unseen court papers from 2005 came to light and showed he had admitted obtaining sedatives to give young women he wanted to have sex with. The sedatives, called quaaludes, render people unable to move. The accusations disrupted his hopes of a return to show business? I would say so. So kind of going back to the quaalude talk again. Yeah. But wasn't there also, like, issues with that? Because, like, he gave that testimony in some kind of, like, open court where he wasn't going to be prosecuted or something like that but then it was a that, deposition yeah. yeah it was a yeah. deposition where he had already been like cleared of all wrongdoing or some shit well, like that. no because they settled out of court so that that was the whole thing when they're settling out of court those are he's basically trying to avoid criminal cases by settling out on what would eventually would have been civil cases sure so in the deposition when he's saying that stuff it just sort of adds into like you're like oh well like i said if it's one person saying something you're like well maybe not if it's 50 people and then if you have a deposition where he's admitting to a very specific like modus operandi there where he's like oh yeah i just get like uh sedatives put him to sleep and then i fuck yeah then it all matches up so every story that they told you're like oh they're all telling the truth his statue was removed from MGM Hollywood Studios Park in Florida and several colleges removed honorary degrees they had given him. 
His portraits were taken down from the walls of his alma mater, Temple University, and he resigned from the Board of Trustees. But we got to talk more about the Quaaludes here. A little bit, because, I don't know, I honestly just uh, spent some time watching, uh, again, re-watching The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, fantastic it's movie. It's a great movie, and uh, the Quaalude scenes, except for when he is trying to like crawl into his Lamborghini, <laughs> I'm just like... And the spit coming yes, out of his mouth and stuff. All, all of the people get to talk about that are older, our, our parents' generations, they get to talk about dropping lewds and shit like that. I just don't even know what that feels like. Yeah, no, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure it's probably like something that we've tried over the years I don't know that our that. parents didn't have any access to yeah but imagine that you've been eating oatmeal raisin cookies your whole life and then you see a chocolate chip cookie but you don't know what it's like it's probably like the oatmeal raisin <laughs> so yeah you, absolutely they they stopped making them a in long the late time. 70s yeah they yeah. did yeah. so I, I was googling a little bit it says what is the same as a quaalude quaaludes are a depressant a class of drug uh, that includes the likes of xanax clonopin valium and more Oh. Yeah, so it's like a, a I think Benzo. it's like a it's like a Xanax in a sense, but I think it just kicks when mixed with alcohol, just like Xanax, kicks super hard. But I think there it doesn't Xanax tends to lights out you, where I think Quaaludes tend to just minds out you, huh? Leaves leaves your body still functioning. That sounds really dangerous, and that's why they call it the date rape drug, and that's why it was such a well, a big issue back in the eighties. Rohypnol was a date rape. I guess there's a number of date rape drugs. Yeah. I'm not trying to date rape. I just want to get fucked up on Quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> You're just trying to Jordan Peterson this shit. Yeah, I just right? want yeah, to just check it out and see what's happening. Yeah, what's all the hype about? Yeah, yeah, just exactly. one time. I've heard about this for decades. And yeah. <laughs> I never have, get my hands on yeah, no, I do. Dropping <laughs> lewds, dude. I was like, oh, cool. Oh, they don't have those anymore? That's bullshit. It's like PB Max uh, candy bars. You know, oh, great. Yeah, those, oh, yeah. Bring those back. Yeah. Bring back PB Max and Quaaludes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a show subject that you think would be a great fit for Asshole Court? Hit us up on any of our social media pages and let us know. As you know, we're full of good ideas, and some say full of other stuff. But we'd love to hear your ideas as well. Give us a shout, and maybe your subject will wind up in our courtroom. We'll definitely give you a shout out. Now, let's dive back into the courtroom. At first, it appeared unlikely that any criminal action would be taken against Mr. Cosby, partly because most U.S. states have statutes of limitation in cases of rape and sexual assault. However, one case did go to criminal trial. That was the one of Andrea Constand. The case was seen as one of the biggest U.S. celebrity court cases since the murder trial of American football player O.J. Simpson in 1995. In June of 2017, Ms. Constand told her story in court for the first time, having previously been barred from doing so in the 2006 settlement. She said Cosby had given her pills, which he claimed were herbal, and said it would take the edge off, but which left her virtually paralyzed. In my head, I was trying to get my hands to move or my legs to move, but I was frozen, she said. About 20 minutes later, she said he put his hand on my genitals. I wasn't able to fight it in any way. I wanted it to stop. Cosby continued to deny the allegations. He did not give evidence in court, but had one witness. In the end, with Cosby possibly facing the rest of his life in prison if found guilty, the jury was deadlocked and a mistrial was declared in June of 2017. The retrial began in April 9th of 2018 and it took place in a little bit of a different atmosphere. But going back to um, you know what we were talking about, the mistrial, I think it was, they were hung up on the fact that he had... So he had given some testimony in a deposition and I, I guess according to, uh, I guess maybe it ended up being a sealed deposition or something like yeah. that. There was some kind of, um, uh, what they were arguing was that he had given this testimony and that he shouldn't be able to... It wasn't admissible in court. It wasn't right. admissible in court, but they ended up admissing it in court yeah. later on. Yeah. And so that his sentence was predicated upon that. So when his lawyers appealed it on the back end, uh, they ended up discharging him from jail. And yeah. I think he went on house arrest at that point yeah, yeah, yeah. or some shit like that. But yeah, uh, he, ser he ended up serving what, like a year or two? Yeah, a couple years in there, I think. Yeah, like, so it was like the, two years or something. The retrial started in April 2018 and again, different atmosphere because the flood of sexual misconduct accusations against powerful men in the entertainment industry such as AHC Courtman alums Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey uh, noted earlier had triggered the Me Too movement. Yeah. So by the time he went to Court date number one to court date number two. Mm -hmm. Me too had already started. That's right. So was there a flood of like new people that were not outside of statute of limitations that 
came forward or something like no. that? Or was like everything done back in that like by 05 he was done? No, I no, there was there there was rape allegations all the way back from the sixties when he was on like Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was even some that were past Andrea Constant, I believe. But it just was so many and so constant that you were like thinking, okay, this guy is uh, obviously he's a serial predator and he's like raping people like every fucking week. You know yeah, what I'm saying? So that's this what, Andrea Constant said hers happened in 2004. And that's what I'm saying. Like she seems to be one of the last ones that's come forward unless something comes up. So that's what my thought was that like from 2005 through 2016 or something. Do we have no people that could come forward and right. at least be not outside of the statute of limitations? They may not have been as willing to fuck Bill Cosby at that point. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't think any of them were willing to fuck Bill <laughs> Cosby. That's, that's the problem. Probably the, yeah. the problem. And, also, and that's it, also the sad thing is that I think that would many of them probably have just fucked him. Probably. Some. You know, like, uh, like maybe so, but yeah, like, we can't. That's what, like that's like maybe he's maybe. Bill fucking Cosby. You know what I mean? Like he has more money than. Then we got more money than Jesus. Uh, well, yeah, you know, but that's and like, the, like I said, that's the old saying, right? Everything's about sex except for sex. Sex is about power. Rape isn't necessarily about sex; as it is just having control over somebody. It's yeah. a weird thing. I, you know, it's not a normal thing. Obviously, there's a lot of rapists that uh, are are capable of getting women, but they still choose to rape. And I mean, I don't know. It's it gets a little weird when you start thinking about like, well, maybe they would have fucked him anyways. I mean. I know this Andrea Constant lady didn't have any intentions from what I read in that in that deposition was yeah. that she just was going up. She looked at him as like a mentor. Yep. Yeah. At, uh, at the university or whatever, and thought she was getting something out of that. Now that being said, and this is certainly not victim blaming, but I'm just in my mind, I'm always like, if someone's just like, hey, just take these herbal pills. I'm like, no thanks, I'm good. <laughs> I'll just you know, I mean, but then again, like if now what are you guys like? Hey, take this BC's like goodies headache powder when I've got a wicked hangover. Yeah. That I'm like, oh yeah, what's in a package and stuff like that? But someone's like, take this. Got like, your what? ass, bi. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm like, well, what is it? They're like, it's herbal. Okay. <laughs> It'll take the edge off. Yeah, no. I yeah, don't, if I just... I'm standing here with a, a Goody's uh, Cool Orange yeah. headache powder and Buddy's sitting there with a handful of herbal tablets, yeah, yeah. which one are you taking? <laughs> I'm yeah. taking the Goodies all day. Right. I ain't taking any just weirdo shit that I don't know what it is. And I guess, Come on. And, and I, we need to explain what Goodies are because I have a lot of people that moved from uh, the Northeast down to Atlanta yeah. that I work with now. They had no idea what Goodies were. That's so right. Goodies is a headache powder. Um, if you've seen BCs, it's the same thing, but essentially it's like ground up aspirin with caffeine in it uh-huh. and they put little flavorings in it. And if you're hungover or have a headache, yeah. you just down a headache powder and chase it with some water. You and shouldn't be, be taking those with a hangover because it has so much acetaminophen in it, which is really bad for your <laughs> liver. But they do make the hangover ones. But I did notice that when I was up in Vermont in January and we were drinking the night before, I was like, yeah, I got to try to find some goodies. No goodies. Yeah. There was no BC, no goodies. They don't know what I'm like. It works so well. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's that's the sponsor for today's show. <laughs> the <laughs> Bill Cosby Rape Bees, Show is yeah. goodies. Yeah, yeah. No, I just can't. I don't. I can't imagine for the life of me just taking a handful of pills. I would never worry about you guys raping me, but I would worry about you guys giving me like Xlax, yeah, or something <laughs> shitty like that. We, you know? we would do that. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. The trial in Pennsylvania <laughs> became one of the first celebrity cases of the Me Too era. The decision by the judge to allow five more women to testify against him was seen as a key development. On this occasion, the jury took two days to find the comedian guilty on all three counts of sexual assault. Months later, he was sentenced to a total of three to ten years in prison. After serving two years of the jail sentence in June, Pennsylvania's highest court overturned his conviction for the sexual assault. Fucking bullshit. Hours later, Cosby was driven away from the prison. The court found that Bill had been denied due process and should not have been put on trial because he had reached an agreement with the previous prosecutor in 2005 that he would not be charged. That is right, because that was part of the agreement, I guess, which was to to take the... That's what I was talking about. The payout was to avoid the criminal case. He'll pay out on the civil case. They seal it so no one can see it. He can continue to do his show business thing and rape people. And then... uh, But this all came out, and yeah. And then she felt like it was time to go out there and, you know turn that over but sometimes if you make that agreement can't come back from it and that's what sucks so now he's back at home in some super mansion on what did you say like 200 acres worth of land that's in massachusetts or in his brownstone in manhattan or Or in pacific Pacific palisades Palisades. yeah but if you look at his eyes if you look at his eyes you can't he doesn't see anything in those 
mansions. I mean, that guy's blind as yeah. about milky eyes. <laughs> and so uh, I think the almost the, the one of the worst things is having to see him walking into the court. I was like, oh God, ooh, who's that? Oh, God, oh, someone, oh, someone oh, pudding eyes over yeah. there. <laughs> someone, someone replaced his eyes with fucking marbles. Yeah, with not, he's got pudding in his uh, eyes. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to take that dude out in prison. <laughs> He's in the shower. He's swinging at yeah. nothing. <laughs> Who's in here with me? <laughs> he must be discharged. Any future prosecution on these particular charges must be barred. It was written in a 79-page ruling. But despite the outcome, some legal analysts said Mr. Cosby would not be able to go back to the life he knew before. You think? His reputation would be forever tarnished, said defense lawyer Ricky Kleiman of CBS News. He doesn't go back to being America's dad. Everything that he lost in terms of the trappings of his life, his reputation, his TV jobs, his nightclub jobs, being a spokesperson, all of that is gone. And that, boys, is Bill Cosby. Good thing he had that Jello money. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, nice. He said, oh, man, I've lost everything except for this $300 million that's been <laughs> in my bank account and my three homes. Yeah. He saved it for a rainy day. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, like they said in Beverly Hillbillies, money can't buy happiness. <laughs> do you guys remember? Do you guys remember that? Anyway, swing and a miss. <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. Maybe you guys, we'll keep it do in. You guys remember that line though? Vaguely, no. when he said it. Uh, you must have happiness. <laughs> and she was trying to talk about happiness, but she, she kept going happiness. <laughs> All right, so let's get some final scores for the Puddin' Pop Predator. Who wants to kick us off? No, so I had uh, Bill Cosby at an 8.9, which... 8.99. Did I have an 8.99? 8.99. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. Um, I yeah, I mean, I talked about earlier on, I thought this was going to be a difficult show. I'm glad Randy actually just sort of went through his career as opposed to just being, you know... And then he raped uh, this chick, and then he yeah. raped that chick. Hung up yeah. on the atrocities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, it's all, I mean, honestly, it's just one story told over and over and over and over and over again, yep. so... Uh, I don't need. I don't think it needs to be retold a million times. But I think eight point nine nine is a pretty good score. I'm All gonna right. just run with that one because, uh, yeah, the dude raped at least at least fifty women. I guarantee you there were more, and that's four decades of just being a rape machine. Also, while being a total hypocrite. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like you said in the laugh tracks, uh, maybe some women that are dead now can't come forward. But that's true. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. That's yeah. Dark. All right. Eight point nine nine. Extremely dark <laughs> for Mikey. Score stays put. Buddy, what you got? Oh, this hurts, man. I, I, I loved Bill Cosby up till all of this stuff happened. I mean, he's one of those guys that, you know, you look back and you remember fondly from your childhood about the, the people who were on the shows and entertainment that got us through the 80s and 90s and, you know. Like Mr. Wizard. What if Mr. Wizard was a rapist? Yeah, that's like, it's like, or uh, what's his Bill name? Bill Nye, the science guy? Yeah, yeah or like, yeah. what should I do, Vern? Oh, Jim Varney was great. Yeah. Like that's like it's like all or like or Bob Ross. What if Bob Ross was a rapist? What if uh what George Carlin was a rapist? Ooh, that would be really bad because I know? like Carlin way better than I like Bill Cosby. Uh, I know, but that's what's, uh, but it hurts because they. I mean, they were both comedians that came up at the same time. They, yeah. were, they were, you know. Um, so it just hurts. There was a tie-in that I was going to try and make. How like what, during our Hulk Hogan episode, you know, there was. You know, the Hulkster did stuff, and then Terry Bollea did stuff. Yeah, his alter yeah. ego. You know, so there was. I was going to try and tie it in to where Cliff Huxtable was the good guy yeah. and Bill was the bad guy. No, because Hulk was like the good guy, and Terry Bollea was like fucking some other dude's wife that consented to that. This <laughs> <laughs> is true. It's sex is involved there, but consensual sex. Yeah, consensual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just sucks to see the, the monster that he turned into. Because, I mean, this is a guy that literally had the world at his fingertips. He was playing sold-out shows. He had successful TV shows. He had all the money in the world. Everybody knocking on his door trying to get him to do deals with them. And he literally could have had any woman that he wanted. Or, you know, he could have been, you know... uh, I I hate it for the infidelity. You know what I mean? But, I mean, too often we see that here with, you know... uh, It's pretty low on the Cosby score, though. Right, yeah. Yeah, Also, it's a bummer because it seems like she knew a lot about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and the conversation that we had, like, she was just like, you know what... It's there. You you sometimes see women that are in those situations and they're like, well, I know he's a flanderer or whatever, but whatever. The houses are nice. 
he keeps this the women different. away. You know this what I mean? This is different. Yeah. yeah. For and sure. that's the thing. Like, he could have even had that in a sense. Well, she even trashed Andrea Constant, I believe, when this all came out. And she was, I, I don't remember. She did it with a number of the victims and was basically like saying that they were like bad people or whatever it was. I'm huh. like, no, no, no. No, no, no. It's your milky eyed husband that's you know? <laughs> <laughs> the monster. That's yeah. right. You know. So, yeah, it, it just sucks, and I hate it. And, um, yeah, because I, I love his comedy. I, I, I love the way that he can entertain uh, a crowd, but it just sucks to see the monster behind the behind the curtain. So, um, at, looking at everything over, um, I originally had him at an 8.75, and I've got to push him just a, a tick above the 9.0 meter because, I mean, we've got Jared Fogel at a 9.0, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I don't know. I feel like Bill's just a little bit of a bigger creep than. Um, it's tough when you get down into like the granular aspects yeah, like, of rape because you're like, who's <laughs> well, the he raped pedophile. kids? Yeah, he's a pedophile. But he raped adults. He so drugged them. Well, yeah. yeah, so you're just you kind of like it, it's it's a murky territory. Oh, it's extreme. It's actually it's kind of icky to even sort That's of. That's why it's just subjective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it goes to opinion and yeah. just and so yeah. End of the day, I'm uh, bumping old. What did you say? Uh, the Puddin' Pop Predator? The Puddin' Pop Predator up to a 9.05. All right, 9.05 for Buddy. Randy, bring us home. All right, so, you know, looking at his score, I'm trying to think. I was, I had him right with Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Right off the rip, right? And I think, you know, the more we kind of dive into it, comparing them side by side, Weinstein versus Cosby, I lean harder towards Cosby having the higher score. Yeah, I, I do too him. as well. Yeah, he drugged him, and I think there was probably more victims. I you know, Weinstein so. used his power to kind of do it, but Cosby just it was like putting in a cheat code almost That's and true. just raping people. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna put him a shade below O.J. Simpson just because he didn't kill anybody, and I've got him at an eight point four nine. Eight point four nine. Just above Gigi Allen, apparently. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Gigi Allen might have. Would been a fa- better person than Bill Cosby. <laughs> Would have fared better putting pudding pops up his butt or pudding <laughs> up yeah. his butt yeah. than uh, <laughs> bananas. Yeah, the pudding pop, the pudding. You know, <laughs> even the pudding pop. I mean, at least the that's cold. Enema. At least that's cold. What you know, <laughs> Bill Cosby giving Gigi Allen a, a Jello enema. <laughs> I oh. see you smiling. I see you there. <laughs> I see you. And he does that look where his lips are pursed. <laughs> I see you, Gigi Allen. I see you with a smile and a coke. Oh, that's coke in your nose. Yeah, love it. If y'all could see Randy shaking, like his shoulders and his head. All right. With an 8.99 from Mikey, a 9.05 from Buddy, and an 8.49 from Randy, Bill Cosby's final asshole score is an 8.84. 8.84, a tick above L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, at 8.83, and just a shade below everybody's not favorite murderer, uh, Casey Anthony, at 8.92. Uh, uh, yes, uh, Orlando yes. Skank. Yep, so yep. in between L. Ron Hubbard and Casey Anthony falls Bill Cosby. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, people were saying that they wanted more... Uh, High scores. You high got scores them. in go. there. Yep, in that 7 to 10 range. That's well. it. You guys want high scores? I want Quaaludes. Let's make this work. <laughs> and PB Max That's candy it. bars. P- yes, PB Max, Quaaludes. Oh. You guys get more high scores. Meet me out in Denver with the Ludes, bro. <laughs> awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. As we mentioned earlier, uh, go check out our GoFundMe page. We are heading out to Denver for Podcast Movement 2023. Uh, we all have jobs and families and uh, do this as a side gig. So any help and support you guys can throw out there is very much appreciated. Just go to GoFundMe and search AHC Podcast, and you'll see our little picture of us uh, standing there. We've also got links onto our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff like that. We've put up posts, so. Yep, absolutely. And as you have seen, we are listening to all of your suggestions for shows. We have shout-outs every show as to who recommended them. They go on a big list, and I promise you we pull from the list every time we start thinking about new show ideas. Also, shoot us messages on Instagram, uh, all of our uh, platforms, because, you know, we're doing our segments for the... Uh, from the inbox. Absolutely. That's right. Get your, uh, get your uh, message to us from in the box. That'll be uh, a fun little segment we continue. And as always, be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court. Asshole Court.